Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. I want to say thank you as well, uh, just for turning up. You know, it's, uh, it's powerful when people just turn up. You know, when you turn up, there's an opportunity to, to bless. And good to see you guys there. Are you from, uh, are you Filipino? Yeah? Praise God for the Filipinos, yeah? Hey, good to see you boys. Yeah. Let's chat after service. Really great to see you. I like your hat. And I like your top. And I like your top. And your shoes, the one in the middle. Yeah. What are they? What brand are they? They're Nikes, yeah. Nikes are my favorite. Are they your favorite? Yeah, they're my favorite as well. Okay. Well, you know, what we want to have here today is just a personal encounter with God. That's what we need. Uh, You don't need a personal encounter with me. Uh, You know, your priority is not to necessarily have a personal interaction or encounter with me. It's to have a personal interaction with the Holy Spirit and uh, with God's Word. That's what we need above all else. So, so let's pray into that and uh, then we'll get into it. And so, Father, from the youngest to the oldest, I just want to say thank you for this gathering. Uh, it's God-given. Uh, it's a divine opportunity to come together and freely worship Jesus. And Lord, we've had the most amazing time uh, worshiping you, led by our choir. And we thank you for what you've done already. And we believe that you'll continue to move amongst us as the word is preached. And I really do pray, God, that uh, as I share from your word, that people would not hear my voice, but they would hear another voice, an inner voice, and the voice of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get into it. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Take a look at the screen. And uh, what I want you to do is uh, replace the name of Abraham with your name. It's like, say your name, say your name, say your name. God said to Paul, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. God said to, uh, to Luke, to Beavis, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And God has blessed you and He wants you to be a blessing. A blessing to who? A blessing to people. God wants you to be a blessing to people. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And in order to increase that blessing and open up the windows of heaven, we need to be good stewards of the blessing that we've already received. Okay? Now, I'm aware that I'm repeating some of the things that I've said even in the past weeks, but that is actually intentional. How many of us know that it can take a little while for God's Word to actually get on the inside of us? It's one of the reasons why we have four Gospels, right? We have four Gospels from four different writers, four different perspectives, but uh, the essence of it all, it's really saying the same thing. And so sometimes God has to keep on saying the same thing so that there can be a breakthrough, right, through the strongholds that we've set up ourselves from an earthly perspective so that the eternal Word of God can get on the inside of us. So in order to increase that blessing, we need to be a good steward of what we've already received. This is why the Gospels talk about that when we're faithful in a little, 
God can then entrust us to be faithful with more. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, each of you should use whatever gift they have received to serve one another. And that's why we've got to believe that what we have is actually from God. There will come a day, they call it, Bible calls it judgment day, <laughs> when we'll be all like, wow, okay, uh, it was true. Everything the scripture had to say was actually true. And now I'm in this place. And the biggest thing we're going to be concerned about is, did I steward the God-given time, talent, and treasure that God gave me? Because now I'm more aware than ever that everything that I had was from God. And it was only on loan. And at Christmas time last year, many of you participated in what we called a Christmas box of blessing, which gave gifts to you know, various organizations within our community. One of those being the Aubrey Wodonga Aboriginal Community Health with CEO David Noonan, who's with us today. So let's welcome him as he comes. We need to get David a mic. Oh, he's got one. Have you got a mic? No. But it's coming right behind you. There's your mic. Welcome, David. Good to have you back with us here today. And so again, David is the... Uh, is that on? Yes, it is. David is, it? is the CEO of uh, the Aubrey Wodonga Aboriginal Community Health and uh, oversees at least about 80 staff. And uh, so we've been partnering with them now for uh, a couple of years. And I just wanted to invite David back, uh, especially on this you know, series of stewardship, uh, just to hear from him uh, just about, you know, the blessing of all of that. And so I remember when I made a time uh, to, you know, get you to come and collect all, the, <laughs> collect all of the, the boxes of blessings. I remember you being a little bit like, wow, okay, there's, what? <laughs> there's more. Yeah. And, and, and I could see that you were a little bit, you know, you were just quite touched by that. How did it make you feel to collect all of those blessings? Um, initially, I was really excited because um, excited and happy because I knew that um, what I was going to be getting was stuff that I could give to the community. So um, that's what was making me really excited. But once I walked in here and I saw there was two Christmas trees with a whole heap of boxes sitting underneath it. Firstly, my first reaction was, "Will it fit in my car?" Number one, but. I was really humbled and overwhelmed by the generosity of the church and by the community here that was giving selflessly um, to people that you didn't even know. You don't know who they, those gifts are going to, and yet, you know, there were so many of them. So I was a bit overwhelmed by it all. That's so good. And um, and how has the uh, the campaign been a blessing to the community? Yeah, I'm going to read this because I I wrote some stuff and I know I won't get it all. So. Um, I think there are many reasons why um, that, that it's a blessing, but the two main reasons for me is, um, and it relates to what you've been talking about in terms of stewardship um, and putting that into practice. So the first one is the act of giving allows us to feel good um, and knowing that we're able to give to other people makes us as human beings feel good about what we're doing, you know, which is a, a really positive affirmation for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and it, and it gives us an avenue to practically express how we love and care for other people yeah. um, by, you know, being part of that stewardship. So I think that's the important part. But the second part is about the act of giving and how that's experienced by the recipient. 
And, um, and it's a selfless act, I guess. You know, the gifts that um, were received are often a relief to the recipient. So, you know, they look at them and they go, they're overwhelmed by what they've yeah. received by people. Wow. And, it's, and it's a relief to them, particularly at Christmas time, because they go, well, now I can feed my family. Now I can give my kids presents. Now I can do a whole heap of things that potentially they were never going to be able to do. Um, and what that does, I think, is that, you know, people that are in need um, have that feeling and that stays with them for a long period of time. And then at some point in their, near, in their future, they are then, things change for them, things get better, um, and they still remember the gift that they've been given. And that's where it sort of comes into sort of being able to pass that gift back on to somebody else because people remember then. At some point I was in need, I was, I was able to be supported or get wow. something. And then, so then they then are able to do that when they're in need or when, you know, when they have the ability to do it. And so people then are able to pass that on. So I think that's a really important part of it because it, yeah. it creates opportunities for people I love now, but also in the future to, you know, give and receive. David, I think that's really powerful what you've just said because, uh, you know, when people are in need and they receive something like that, particularly at Christmas, because I think we're all aware that at Christmas time in particular, emotions uh, are running higher, you know, because we can focus on, you know, perhaps what we don't have and what others have, etc. But that's, I think, the real spirit of stewardship as well. It's like, okay, once upon a time I was really in need and somebody reached out and gave to me. And so when I have the opportunity, I want to reach out and give to someone else. So who who were some of the, um, uh, who who have been some of the recipients? Sure. Um, So just so you know, what what happens in our organisation is those things are collected. So we also put in, um, we buy a whole heap of presents from our organisation's fund because often kids don't receive presents at Christmas time. People can't afford it. Um, so we add value add to those things and we have a little stock of stuff, but it's never enough and we always get, you know, people wanting more. We also um, use the food bank as well. So we buy um, basic staples and we have them stored away in a cupboard so that if somebody comes in in need, we're able to give them veggies and fruit and, you know, flour and pasta and that sort of stuff. So along with the gifts that you guys gave, we were able to supplement all of that stuff as well and give um, extras. And what happens is that the staff um, that work with people identify families that, that are in need, um, you know, whether they be our child and family health nurse or whether it be you know, our social and emotional wellbeing team or um, whoever it is, they identify families or, or individuals or just people in general that are in need. And so they're the thing, they're the people that are identified. Those parcels are then gone out and are delivered to those people. Uh, And then we keep a little bit as well because often we get, um, particularly around Christmas time, we get people coming in and and letting us know that they're in need as well. And so we also have some stuff kept um, back in the organisation so that we're able to then hand that out to people as they walk in. Sounds like there's a bit of a, an abundance that you can draw on, so that's good too. It's never enough, and, yeah. I, and I guess, you know, we get to Christmas right. and the end of Christmas, and we've run out of everything. So everything that we purchase, everything that, you know, is donated to us, everything goes. So nothing gets kept. Mm-hmm. And then we start again in January, great. and we make another food bank order, and, you know, we, we start to do that stuff again. That's great, David. 
Are there any uh, specific stories that come to mind? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one because okay. it's one of my staff members that um, came and, and told me what had happened. So um, one of my staff members came and um, told me that one of her clients had came in and had just left her partner um, due to domestic violence. So she had been beaten up. Um, she was also homeless. Um, and she had just gone to the Centre Against Violence to um, seek some accommodation for her and her children. Um, so she had just been placed in a, in a house, but she had nothing with her. She had you know, no, no food, no furniture, no anything apart from you know, what she had, and the, and the kids had nothing as well. Um, so what we were able to do is... Um, sorry. We were able to put together a whole package for her, which included, you know, our food staples. It included um, one or two of the hampers that were here. And I remember one of them because one of them had a whole heap of women's products in it. And so we were able to give her a whole heap of women's products that went with her as a gift to her. We also then used some of the other gifts that um, were here, as well as some of the other things that we had. She had a number of children. So, you know, initially we were going, well, one present, but I don't know any children that ever received just one present at Christmas time. So we were able to put a couple of presents together for her kids. Um, we were able to then also give her a, 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 a butcher's voucher as well, so she could go and buy a ham and, you know. And when we bought it, all, when the staff member bought it all out to her, um, she burst into tears and, um, she, she basically said, is this all for me? And, and the staff member said, yeah, of course, it's, it's all for you. And she just, was, she just burst into tears and couldn't speak, basically. And she wanted to say a big thank you to everybody that had supported, you know, that showed the support for her because she was then able to be relieved at Christmas time. Her kids were going to get something. She had food that she was able to, you know, put together for her family, you know, in the darkest of probably circumstances yeah. for her, it gave her a little bit of light and gave wow. her a little bit of relief. So that's, you know, so that's good. just one example what of how that story. was used. I love that. Any final words? To oh, look, uh, I just want to say thank you. You know, the generosity that you guys have shown has been amazing and it has helped us to provide for the community in circumstances like that. And we wouldn't be able to do it without the support. So thank you very much. And your generosity, you know, is part of your stewardship, but it isn't something that you have to do. It's something that you, that you have just done. And the changes that you make to the people that you don't even know are huge. So That's awesome. thank you. Thank wow. you for everything that you've That's done. That's great, David. Yeah. Uh, thank you for... Um, Thank you for uh, coming and uh, sharing with us today. And uh, yeah, we love you, man. And we really appreciate the work that you're doing in the community. We want to continue to partner and uh, be a support to you personally and the organization. Thank you. And uh, if there are any other uh, opportunities for us to come alongside what you're doing yep. um, uh, in the community, just let us know and we'll go to it. We do have some men's groups and some women's groups. So we have been... I'm, I'm thinking about, about how that might happen because yeah. <laughs> there could be some cultural stuff that we can sort of work together on. I, yeah. I don't know. I'll have to work it out. Yeah, COVID's just, been difficult. We're so. just talking about where we can land all of yeah. that and what it looks like. And so yeah. we know that something will land and uh, it'll be great. Yeah. Thanks again, David. Thank Would you. you give him a hand as he's uh, seated? Thank Thanks. you. That's what it's all about. I really love to get uh, stories 
you know, on the platform to uh, be a testimony to you and to what you're a part of, okay? Just remember that, you know, you may have given just uh, a little bit uh, to a bigger picture, but, you know, but that's what it's all about. You know, this is why Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in just a little, And I pray that everyone walks out of here today with that thought that, wow, you know, Jesus, he's calling me just to be faithful with a little. And then he may give me more if that pleases him. Well, you know, when we, uh, when we check in our suitcases at a hotel or at an airport, our personal belongings are entrusted to the stewards behind the counter, not for them to own, but to take care of and only for a short period of time. And isn't it true, isn't it true that there's coming a time when we're all coming back to reclaim what was given to the stewards? And what happens when we come to reclaim that which was handed over, but there's nothing to claim at the end? We're not happy. Are we happy? We're like, what do you mean my luggage isn't here? They're like, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for real. So we're not, we're not happy, are we? We're looking for a return on what we've given. And the foundational principle of biblical stewardship is that there's only one owner being God and the rest of us are stewards. And I really pray we'll get a hold of that more than anything. And, uh, and there's coming a day when Jesus also, he's coming back, right? He's coming back when it comes to, to see how his investments have grown, when it comes to, you know, our God-given time, our God-given talents, and our God-given treasure. And you can read all about it. It's a story. It's a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. In actual fact, I, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. David says that everything that we have, it comes from God. I wonder, you know what, how much we actually believe that? Like we might all nod, like I might say, put your hand up if you believe that, all our hands are up. But I wonder how much of that belief is translated into action, that we really do believe that everything that we have is from God. Psalm 89 verse 11 says, the heavens are yours, God. The earth also is yours, the, wor the world and all its fullness, you have founded it all. Stewardship, by definition, is the management of the property of another. Stewardship is taking care of the arrangements for a group or the resources of a community. And since God is the owner, then I am just a steward with whom God has entrusted with his property. And so now I must learn how to discover what the owner desires and then to carry out that God-given assignment. I feel like someone here needs to hear that you have a God-given assignment. And in that in its simplest form is to love and serve God by loving and serving people. But this kind of revelation, this kind of spiritual awakening, it really does affect how we give. When you've had a spiritual awakening, when you've had a revelation, when your eyes have been opened, when we say like Job, I've heard the Word of God for years with the ears that hear, but now I see what God is saying. When we have that kind of a, uh, awakening, it really does affect how we give. And so today, 
I want to look at three very quick examples of stewardship from Scripture. Point number one, giving joyfully. Giving joyfully. Have you ever wondered why the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You see, joyful giving is a sign that the givers understand the principle of biblical stewardship. And cheerful giving can only come from a heart of setting our minds on things above and not on earthly things. And you can read about that in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. One of the reasons why people find it so hard to give and to steward their God-given time, etc., is because they have too many earthly things on their mind. And there isn't enough room for the eternal things right? That's why you don't have, that's why you can have lazy stewards. Stewards who are perpetually making excuses about why they can't do what God has asked them to do. And the reason for it in a nutshell, worried, bothered, concerned with too many earthly things. But like Jesus said, and like we looked at in January with our series called What's Your One Thing? Jesus said to uh, Martha that you're troubled by many things and only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen that part, which is to sit at the feet of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm a minimalist. I'm a minimalist. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm a part of a cult? No. Uh, what it simply means is that I don't like clutter. I don't like clutter. I don't like things that don't serve a purpose. It could be uh, a good thing. It could be something that is in perfectly uh, good working order. But if it's taking up space in my cupboard or in my garage, it has to go. I'm either going to give it away or sell it or throw it away. And as an opportunity presents, I'll do one of those three things. I'm a minimalist. Do you know that one of the reasons why people suffer from, you know, where they, uh, I'm talking about suffering uh, from a mental health point of view, is because there's too much going on. And in actual fact, the more clutter you remove, the more that you delete, the more that you put away, the more that you forget about, the healthier you are in your mind. And the more opportunity you've got to focus. I think that might be a aha moment for someone. Someone needs to go from this place and go through your, your house, get your house in order from a natural, from a practical point of view, and also from a spiritual point of view. Let me say also, it's okay to unfollow people on social media. It's okay to unfriend people on social media if that's where it's at for you. That's another reason for mental health uh, issues, I'm, I'm saying. It's because of social media. And uh, so you just got to do whatever you got to do to remove. This is why Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, lay aside every sin and every weight which can so easily ensnare the flesh or the soul. He's telling us to delete, to unfriend. He's telling us to unfollow. He's telling us to remove the old to make way for the new. I know that you desire. I know that you desire new things. I know that you desire greater things. I know that you want to be a better you. I know that. It's why you're here and it's why you're tuning in online.
But we've got to be aware that the price of the new you will be the cost, the price of the old you. And in order for you to move forward in your personal life, in your mental health, in your spiritual, emotional, and physical health, you've got to begin to undo some of the old scripts that you've been reading from. Because the old is not going to help you to get to where you want to go because it's old and the old got you to where you are now. And the old is not going to take you into your future. What did Einstein say? I don't know. Did he say it? I don't know. He said, you know, a definition of insanity is doing the same old thing but expecting a a different or a new result. And so guess what? i got good news for you. You can grow. You can move forward. You can have a breakthrough in your personal life. Addiction does not have to have it over you. You can have a great marriage. You can have a great relationship with your family. But we do need to take personal responsibility. And we can't play the devil's game, which is called blame. And so the good news is you can grow. You can move forward. But the price of the new you will be the price of the old you. So anyway, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we just, you know, you know, Jesus, right? Lord, Savior, King of Kings, coming back soon. Hey, by the way, the rapture, it's all ready to go. The stage is set, guys. Jesus, I mean, like, don't think there's more to come. We're ready to go. The stage is set. Jesus could come back at any moment. And what you don't want to be doing, and I'm sorry for hitting the table, uh, but what you don't want to be doing, I'm trying to make a point, I think, is you don't want, this is not a time to draw back. It's not a time to be distracted. It's not a time to be distracted. It's really a time uh, to get committed and to get your house in order. The stage is set. He's coming back at any time. When the tabernacle was being built in the Old Testament, the people got so caught up in the joy. We're talking about point number one, giving joyfully. They got so caught up in the joy of giving and making eternal investments that they had to be, get this, they had to be restrained from giving anymore. Check out Exodus chapter 36 verses 4 and 7. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work for the sanctuary, we're talking about building the house of God, came one by one from uh, the work they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord commanded to be done. And after Moses gave an uh, an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work, and there was more than enough. I don't mind saying I really do believe that there ought to be more than enough resources in the house of God. I really do. And uh, get this, you know, if every single person was, had some, you know, level of faith uh, when it comes to even the giving you know, of their time, talent, or treasure, giving of their finances, giving of their overflow, our church would be in a totally different place. It just would be. Because there's more than enough, even in this room alone, to transform our community, right? To, to come alongside guys like David and uh, even Josh Quinn, who uh, works for the uh, Woomera Aboriginal community. We also partnered with him at Christmas last year. Uh, there's more than enough in this room to transform our community. And I want to ask you, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? That's what I want to ask. 
because you know the the role of uh, the pastor the prophet the apostle the teacher uh, the evangelist is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry in actual fact you're the ones who are supposed to be doing the ministry but what do we think we come to church you see we come to church on a Sunday and we listen to the pastor who does all the ministry and we nod and we're like yeah and amen and then we go out but we don't do what has been said because I just wonder do we really believe that this is God's word to us or are we just here filling in time because if you're just here filling in time you're going to stay in the same seat year after year raising your hand, singing the songs, even going to a life group. I said to our men's life group recently, I said, just remember, Satan, he, he does not care that you come to church. Satan doesn't mind that you come to church. Satan doesn't mind that you even open up your Bible and, and you know the Bible better than he does. He doesn't care. But the moment you begin to listen and obey, it's at that point you become a threat. So he doesn't care that you come to church. He doesn't care that you read the Bible. Just don't believe what it says. But I want to raise up believers. I want to mobilize people who go out and be missional throughout the week. I want to, I want to raise up a people, a generation, who don't make it just about Sundays. That they walk out of here and they're saying, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to share my faith with someone today? That they'd begin their day, that you would begin your day saying, God, you know that I'm afraid. You know that I really don't like to put myself out there, but it's not about me. It's about me being willing. It's about me being surrendered and what you might be able to do through me. Uh, you do know that that's my whole story, don't you? Like, that's my whole story. You might think, oh, Jay, you're out there, you know, whatever. You can just talk to anyone. It didn't start off that way. Let me tell you. I didn't seek to be a leader. I didn't seek to be a pastor. I answered a call. That's all that happened. Young man, I didn't seek to be a leader. I didn't seek to be a pastor. I just heard a call of God and I just simply said yes. Why did I say yes? Because I became a recipient of God's unconditional love uh, and tender mercies. And how could I not respond? How can you not respond? How can you not get up and want to do something for Jesus? When we have received the uh, Jesus, the only sacrifice, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, how can we not get up and want to do something? So imagine that. What a powerful story that Moses had to say, Hey, there's enough. We don't need any more. Let's... Wow. I pray that happens here one day. You know, we're believing for a church building. By God's grace, one day, <laughs> a church building. It'll be a miracle, but thankfully we serve the God of miracles. Because I, I know that I'm not smart enough to make that happen. I just want you to know. I'm smart enough, mind you, to get people who are smarter than me in the room. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I'm smart on some level when it comes to that sort of stuff, but I'm not the guy you want. So, but I, I'll be smart enough to get people who are smarter than me in the room to help facilitate our own building. Praise God. And so they gave joyfully. They gave joyfully because they knew they were a part of something bigger than themselves and couldn't wait 
to be a part of something eternal and generational because they know that everything they have is from God anyway. Point number two, give humbly. Give humbly, give or give thankfully, but the key is give humbly. King David, then the most powerful man on the earth, understood well the foundational principle of biblical stewardship. David receives an abundant offering and he comes before God in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. And he comes before God, listen, having received the most abundant blessing to meet all of the ministries and sanctuaries needs. And he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your own hand. I love that passage. That, oh man, I get a bit choked up about that. Because I'm seeing, I'm hearing a man who is just so thankful for God's call upon his life, for God's love, for God's grace, for calling him to be a part of something that's not of this earth. David was thinking like a steward and overseer of God's property and not a personal owner. Point number three today, the, the last point. Giving sacrificially. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about the Macedonian Christians and their sacrificial giving. Now what you need to understand about the Macedonian believers is that they were in extreme poverty. But they didn't use their, allow their poverty to become an excuse or a reason why they couldn't give. And we pick it up in verse 1. And Paul said, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. See, he talks about the grace of God and how the Macedonians are recipients of the grace of God. And during a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. I testify that on their own, according to their own ability and beyond their ability, they begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves, especially to the Lord, then to us by God's will. And that has to be the order. Don't give yourself to me. I don't think anyone needs to hear that from me, right? But don't give yourself to me. Don't give yourself to another. Give yourself to Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. And don't follow a man. Don't follow a pastor. Don't follow a ministry. Don't seek to rub shoulders with any man because of what you feel they'll give you. Don't do that anywhere. Don't do that here. Don't do that here. Please don't put that kind of pressure on my wife or myself. Don't put that level of expectation on us because I will not receive it and uh, it won't be too long before you're disappointed anyway because I'm not omnipresent, I'm not omniscient, I'm not omnipotent and go and do your Bible college if you don't know what they are. But he's the one we need to look to. He's the one we need to look to. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. You see, this is what the Macedonians did. This is what Paul is testifying to, which is awesome. He's saying they gave themselves to the Lord, and they also gave themselves to us. What does that mean? 
It means they believed in what Paul was doing missionally. When it comes to the vision, when it comes to the community, when it comes to being generational, when it comes to not being a one-man show, but being a body of believers mobilized in the community. You know, I love stories, and I'm looking forward to days, uh, hopefully not too far in the future, where there's just more stories. So, and I know there's lots of stories going on out there, uh, but just stories about what life groups have done, uh, opportunities that, that you've had. How could they give so generously while in, in extreme poverty? It's because they were rich in love. They were rich in grace, in faith, and therefore in the freedom that Christ gave them. Because they were no longer tied to, uh, if you like, their, their identity being in the riches. Their, their identity was no longer tied up in what I have, but within whom I've encountered. That's what happened to me. That's why I was able to walk away from football like that, walk away from DJing like that, walk away from a lifestyle like that, a certain lifestyle, because now I'd found everything that I'd ever been looking for, and it was found in Christ. And they didn't see poverty as an exemption. They didn't see poverty as an excuse to not give. They simply refused to miss out on the abundant blessings of giving sacrificially. Even they, in their extreme poverty, they understood the power of God's word in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 to 18. And it says, You may say to yourself, My power and my own ability have gained this wealth from me. But remember, that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is today. The point is simply this. It's what I've been saying throughout this whole series. It all belongs to God. And if God requires it, then He requires it. Point number one, giving joyfully. Point number two, giving humbly. And point number three, giving sacrificially. In John chapter 3, Beavis, would you come, bro? How are you, Beavis? You're good? It's good, brother. You're doing a great job. You're a wonderful young man. A wonderful young man and a very gifted young man. And I like your shoes too. I like fashion. I, like, I just like fashion. That's okay, isn't it? I like it. It's a good thing. Wow. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. You know, we're never more like God when we give. If you want to be more like Jesus, then give. And what's one thing that we could give Jesus today? What's one thing that we could offer him? Um, when I was a new Christian, there used to be a song 
that we used to sing and it would touch me every single time that we sung it. Every time. And the reason why it touched me every single time is because it's just so true. And the words of the song go like this. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, and I was confused. He understood. All I had to offer Jesus was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.